Welcome back to DC Cinematic Minute, the daily podcast in which we analyze Zack Snyder's Justice League by each individual minute. My name is Mark. You can find me on all social media at Mark Meadows. I was on mute that whole time. Um, it's okay. But I was only on mute through this little player that we have. So everything's going to match up perfectly later on. But let me give you all a little repeat. My name is Nathan. You can find me on all social media at NoClutchNate. <laughs> <laughs> Love to hear it. And I'm Rebecca Johnson. I'm one of the hosts of a podcast called Supergirl Radio, where we talk about not only the CW Supergirl TV series, which has ended uh, several years ago, uh, but we also talk about comic book uh, Supergirl. So we, uh, if you are interested in Supergirl, all things Supergirl, uh, check us out uh, at SupergirlRadio.com. And I also have a YouTube channel where I talk about Zack Snyder content, uh, including the upcoming Rebel Moon. So I'll be discussing that. You can find me at YouTube.com slash DuckMilkPride. Yeah, there's still always a lot of content for you, isn't there? Because there's, um, you know, you're we, we talked earlier before we started recording, there's there's a lot that you have as far as projects for Supergirl Radio. Um, but then also there's there's a new DC animated film, which is based on Crisis on Infinite Earths, which has a big moment for Supergirl in, in, in her history um, in, in that comic book. So uh, with that movie coming up, I'm kind of excited to see it. It's gonna it's it's a three part movie, uh, which I'm glad that you know if they're going to adapt a comic book that it's they're going to give it the time to tell the entire story because that's a giant book. Um, but Supergirl does have a big moment in that book. Um, but then also Rebel Moon, you know that you get to talk about. Um, last time you were here on the show, you were filling in for another guest that had fallen out. So. This was actually the original week that you were scheduled to to join us, but fortunately you joined us before, um, and we got to talk to you about uh, your interview with Zack Snyder, and then now Rebel Moon is coming out, um, which it's it's like kind of surreal that it's it's coming out soon. Um, but yeah, you have you have a lot to talk about here recently. <laughs> oh yeah, I got a lot of movie reviews to do, so I, I'll actually be on a ship in the ocean. Uh, during Rebel Moon's release on Netflix <laughs> because my family and I are going to be taking a Christmas vacation on a cruise ship. So unfortunately, I won't be able to talk about Rebel Moon until early January. Uh, but uh, we'll also be talking about the crisis on Infinite Earths uh, movie, uh, I guess, mm. movies that are coming out. I guess that's how that's happening uh, in January. And uh, I don't want to spoil it for people, but it, as uh, as you say, Supergirl, that's a big moment for her in comic book history. Uh, was not a great year for Supergirl. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, Crisis came out around the same time as Supergirl the movie, so uh, didn't have a real big hit movie, even though I will still defend it uh, to this day as a great uh, homage to Supergirl Silver Age comic books. Um, but uh, th- what happens to her in Crisis, all that kind of happened at the same time. So not a super great year for Supergirl, but um, uh, things that are very notable in her history. So, yeah, I'm pretty excited to uh, see what they do with it. Hopefully she'll get a, a major moment in the film uh, as yeah. she deserves. I think she yeah. should. I mean, like, it's kind of, it needs to be, like, more on the side of, like, hey, this is, like, a big, this is Supergirl. Like, let's have this character in, like, a pantheon, kind of. So, let's get a new movie out there. Come on, people. Yeah, yeah. sounds good. Yeah, yeah. We were just talking about um, Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow, which is, uh, Tom King wrote that one. And I believe that's the, will be the basis for the for the next film. So, um curious to see how that looks and that whole new part of the dc universe but um 
you know, we're here talking about Zack Snyder's Justice League, which is part of the the DC universe that I guess we could say we grew up with. <laughs> it sounds <laughs> strange to say, but we we really did uh, watch this DC universe grow and 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 um, land here on, on Zack Snyder's Justice League. Um, this minute here in particular, this is minute one seventy one of part five, all the king's horses. Um, last week. Uh, you know, we we had this um, resolution between Superman uh, kind of on the fritz and then Lois Lane shows up and, and kind of um, brings him back down to earth in, in, in a way. Um, but with all that chaos, Steppenwolf has has um, gotten closer to the mother box. But Dr. Silas Stone has rushed it into Star Labs, gotten into this chamber. And so here we start with Steppenwolf asking or not asking but demanding give me the mother box um and then the minute is going to end with steppenwolf holding the mother box so uh in this minute he does get that their mother box of man um but then what is what is it of of dr silas stone what happens to him in this minute um this is uh this is where we'll see the end of Victor Stone's father, Dr. Silas Stone, a character that Nathan and I have been talking about for a long time, not just on this show, but also on Doom Patrol Radio, um, as we've really tried to analyze and break apart this this relationship between Victor and Silas Stone. Um, but uh, Rebecca, I wanted to give you the floor first and get your thoughts on this character, Dr. Silas Stone. What is, um, what is your takeaway with, with such a character who has created cyborg but also wants to be um uh, a supportive father and i guess supportive you could put in quotes <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm i uh, made a lot of notes about silas uh, in this minute i you know watched it through and wrote everything down i thought about it and then re-watching it right before we started talking um one of the things i noticed that was uh impactful for me in that sort of re-watching which i love these these films because you can watch them a thousand times and see something new um, but just the way that he flips that switch, he's holding this kind of remote control thing. Oh, yeah. And he mm-hmm. he's really uh, assertive when he flips yeah. it. It's not like a weak thing. He doesn't hesitate. He knows exactly what he has to do. And he flips that switch in such a, a determined way. Yeah. And I, I thought that was something that I was like, I wrote all these notes. And then that one little thing uh, really stuck out to me when uh, I rewatched it. But uh, I think what's impactful he- here in regard to that flipping of the switch is that he knows exactly what he has to do. He He's not, um, uh, I don't know if he's scared about it, but he knows that this is what he has to do in order to help his son. And one of the questions that I had uh, for this minute was, if he had not been confronted with Steppenwolf, would he have just uh, supercharged or superheated the mother box and he would have been outside the room and everything would be fine? Is it only because he, you know, like, I don't think he intentionally wanted to put himself in a situation where he had to effectively sacrifice himself. Um, So I guess he got caught by Steppenwolf and he had to sort of uh, protect the box and and make sure that that got... um, to the point where it could be tracked. And so I, I think that's really um, the sadness part of that is I think he probably would have just on a regular day, if nothing had happened, he would have supercharged the the box and he would have lived, uh, you know, a long life and would have been happy. And I think he's here put in the situation where he's having to protect his son, even though his son does not, uh, doesn't really care for him really at this point. So he's having to 
to do something for his son and to help say and he saves the world he helps save the world so i think his his whole death here i think is um so great and and just a kind of I, I know i've been talking a lot but the uh but the vfx on here is really good of course this is like an homage to uh you know dr manhattan and the watchman film um that Zack snyder also made but i i like the way that it the vfx it vfx has like a uh, in watching it for minute by minute purposes, there's like an outer laying, uh, an outer layer of skin that falls off, and then you kind of see the muscles, and then there's bones underneath it. Like I can see a leg bone at the bottom of his uh, leg. So even though that's kind of gruesome, I like the attention to detail there that that we get to see exactly what happens to him. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, so I th- I think that that is really uh, in terms of the visual effects here in this film, I think it's very very good. Yeah, it, there. Um, the what I'll say on 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 a macro level is that this we've often paralleled this story for Cyborg to parallel Man of Steel and 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 what Clark Kent goes through in Man of Steel. Um, this is the new Superman. This is, if you yeah. will, the Cyborg Superman, right? He's <laughs> he's this new member of the Justice League. You keep saying that. I'm calling him the Superman. There's a space there. The Superman, yeah, hyphen man. <laughs> um, but yeah, this is uh, very much like what happens with Pa Kent and the tornado. Right. Where you, See as a everything. father, <laughs> yeah, you make this sacrifice um, for your son. and yeah. And I think... You're right, Rebecca. This is not um, was intended. This was not not part of the plan, really. Um, but because he thought Cyborg, you know, he had the mother box, he, he kept it away from him. Even he didn't know where he was keeping it. Um, and then once Cyborg brings it back to Star Labs, he's like, "Okay, I trust you, son. You go do your thing." And then all hell breaks loose. Superman's acting crazy on Heroes Park, and then here comes this mother box landing on this car, and he's just thinking. This thing is here. This thing that I've I've messed with, I've toyed with, um, and it's here again, here in Star Labs. And so yeah. when Steppenwolf shows up, he's like, I've got to do something with this. Um, and it's important, you know, I'm glad you brought up the remote control because it is a remote control. He could do this right. outside of the box. I, 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 I want to talk about this moment here for a minute, <laughs> if I can. Um, yeah. Rebecca, what you said of how it parallels the whole Dr. Manhattan thing from Watchmen is, um, like, so on the nose and correct. And it's, like, honestly, I think it's poetry um, in that respect uh, comparatively to what that character represented and who Cyborg is and just, like, both their worlds of uh, the superheroes that they kind of live in and and everything. Um, But, yeah, so about Silas Stone... We got to remember, this is one of the smartest people on the planet. Um, mm-hmm. So, like, him out, outside and then, you know, seeing the mother box, what, land on the car and him, like, see him be like, oh, yeah, like, click, that's the MacGuffin. I still, we still don't understand what that thing is. And obviously, that's, like, the trophy. Like, we, we, we got to, I got to take that. Um so I think it was always like his idea to do something to help out, right? Obviously, that's that's the whole crux of Silas Stone. He he never did anything 
enough or it was always after the fact. You know, he wasn't there for Victor for his football game, but he was there after the fact. And, you know, I guess he helped him by saving his life, but whatever. Um, so <laughs> now it's like his idea of I'm supposed to be proactive in this thing. I'm not going to like wait and I'm not going to be the one that has to do the thing after the fact. So I need to be proactive on it. Now, heating it up with the superconductive laser, that wasn't, the mother box was never put into this container with the laser before. This is the first time this has ever happened. They weren't heating up the mother box before. They were heating up pieces of the scout ship, right? They were mm-hmm. they were doing yeah. that kind of technology. It wasn't until that mother box landed in front of Cyborg, uh, landed in front of Silas, for him to realize, oh, that's what they're after. I have to do something. And then thinking about what that laser does later on in a couple minutes, we learn that it is, you know, used for a tracking per se. Um, I don't think Silas could have um set everything up outside of this room and fire that laser um, without Steppenwolf immediately coming in and just axing him in half. Um, yeah. I think there was a timing aspect on it. And I do think that Cyborg does aid in that decision by giving him just a couple more seconds for him to fire off that laser because if cyborg didn't superhero land in this building <laughs> steppenwolf would have just been trucking through 100 and would not even have given silas a chance to flip that switch um it really sucks that cyborg has to <laughs> that he has to be there to watch yeah, what happens it. but it's the same thing in man of steel where clark had to stand there and watch literally see through the clouds and the rain and the tornado as his father gets ripped apart and taken away from him it's like that whole trial and tribulation of the hero where you have to have this like great pain to overcome it and all that jazz um but nonetheless my main point of this minute that we're going to move on forward now is um a change of heart of silas stone and that's a big deal i think this minute is a really big deal um especially with how much mark you and i have been talking about silas in this movie and in uh out of doom patrol um and this is like my favorite silas stone act ever 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 Mm -hmm. and it's not so much as it's because it's like oh that's a great sacrifice he's doing the right thing it's like no 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 i'm i like it so much because i actually see silas being 10 steps ahead of everything else 10 steps ahead of a space alien invasion night and it's like Mm -hmm. okay so you're you're the really smart guy here i i get you you're you know what you're doing um i really like you now silas stone um i wish you didn't die uh but you know what (laughs) gotta do what you gotta do right is that yeah go for it 
Uh, well, I was just going to say, uh, to your point about Silas being smart, we actually get to see his equations there on the back yeah. of the wall. And I don't know if he did those like right before Steppenwolf showed up or if this is something he's been thinking about for a long time. But I thought it was funny that uh, some of those equations, which I have no idea what they say. I'm not a mathematical person, but uh, <laughs> but they're uh, sort of drawn inside boxes. So he's been thinking about these boxes and trying to work out how, I guess, how how would you have to supercharge or heat this? Um, so that it could be traced and I, I don't know what the circles are on the back of the wall in relation to uh into the boxes but I I think that we we know that Silas is very smart because he saved Cyborg's life and kind of brought him back to life even though he only really had um you know s- small you know a small amount of Victor really as, yeah. a, as a person left over and he sort of recreated his body and yeah some of these minutes are great because it we get a really great look at cyborg and his physical structure he looks like a, a skeleton essentially like si- uh, silas probably recreated him using like a skeletal structure with uh, uh, mechanical parts and so he's so smart he, silas is incredibly smart and i i like the idea that we get to see that and he's not even really saying anything but you can just tell based off the mathematical equations and his determination and the fact that he is so much further ahead than everybody else in the room i think that it says a lot about him without having to say anything at all yeah Really, yeah. and you you mentioned him the way that he de- very determinedly flipped that switch. Um, that was always one of my favorite moments whenever I saw this movie. I thought that was one of the better slow motion moments in this entire film. Um, you know, I can scour the whole movie and say like, oh, you, if you want to take that slow motion, you can't. You know, it wouldn't bother <laughs> me. None. This one, it's like, no, don't fucking touch this. Sorry, don't touch this <laughs> at all. Like, do not. This is very much needed. Um, I really hope that this, like, father sacrificing in in such a heroic way, kind of thing, especially in a relationship between Cyborg and Silas. I really hope that audiences feel that like fear that he has and it's not so much as silas's fear of this you know metal space alien knight coming into these doors it's the fear that he's looking at his son and and the threat and it's Mm -hmm. like that's where i have no play in this i have no part in any of this i can't do anything but what i can do is my best and try to help out and the only way I can do that is, you know, I guess I could try to make this, try to make him be able to track this box because this is what he's after. And I don't know, like that whole decision making with <laughs> Rebecca, you said it. There's no dialogue. Nobody's talking about this plan. Nobody is saying or spoon feeding to an audience member saying, I got to chart. I got to get in here. I got to do all this. Calculations are right. OK, fire. Like there's none of that. It's really just emotion and slow motion action and it's just a sequence of events that you can really just see and cut the tension with the knife it's i don't know it really is a good moment in this movie it's one of my favorites yeah there um what works so well for um ray fisher as he you know is is playing <sighs> victor stone here is you know we we saw Earlier in, in this movie, he has this disdain for his father. Then in the Metropolis Project, he saves him and he says, "Well, because you're you're my father." And we talked about how kindness is, you know, what really keeps people connected together. Um, and 
yes, he is his biological father, but just the idea of like having some sort of kindness to someone um, is is why he chooses to still save Silas Stone, even though he's feels like he's been turned into this monster, and maybe he he blames his father for you know the death of his mother and you know like being absent and like all this this butterfly effect but then you come to this moment with the same arm reaching out that he you know reached out to protect his mother and then the car right. accident uh that same arm reaching oh, out for his God. father telling him you like, are please, so good Mark. like please don't do this <laughs> like i like i I love you. Please don't do this. Oh, I'm so wow. sorry. Like I am upset. At, I was upset at you, but I don't want to lose you. Um, and it, it's that that emotional bridge. It's like that's what matters at this moment. Um, the the nerdier side of things is like, oh, this explains why Dr. Ryan Cho was showing him the the heated laser and you know what it can do. And then Dr. Silas Stone thinking twelve steps ahead, like you were saying. Yeah, but. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's this, um, I, I still see it as like the similar to Jonathan Kent being like, I, you're right. I have to do this for you Yes, because, um, I want you to live. I want you, I want you to have your future. Yes, protect your future. Yeah. There you yeah, go. But I, oh, I can't, <laughs> I can't do that. Um, oh, by, at this point staying alive, it's like for you to do. So, um, you know, oh my gosh, you are um, bravery requires. You're really sacrifice. good with the whole <laughs> catching that the same arm, and it's the same like composition of of, of oh god, you are yeah, really there good might be with a, that. There Mark. Might be Thank a... you so much for pointing that out. <laughs> um, it is the same, you know. It, it's obviously it's a little bit mirrored as to you know in the same shot of him. But it's the same action that he's doing. But Zack Snyder always does those parents. too. Like he always does that like bottom third hand reach like, out. Ar- yeah, off ar- screen. Ar- yeah, we just talked one like two weeks ago. It was Superman and and, and Barry Allen, and mm-hmm. it was like the same thing. So he does that a lot. So um, it's an it's an instinctual heroic thing that he wants to reach out and protect somebody and save somebody. And the sad part about Victor uh, Cyborg here, he doesn't save them. He couldn't save his mother. He mm-hmm. can't save his father. And so even though he tries to be a hero in that moment, he can't save them. And what I think yeah. is really interesting, Nathan, about what you said uh, previously uh, a couple of minutes ago about the um, the idea that is something I hadn't uh, really thought about. With the perspective of Silas is that he's looking out. He's locked himself in this room and he knows what he has to do in order to uh, help save the world and maybe protect his son from his perspective. But he's looking out and he sees this gigantic alien with an axe, an electric axe, and his son. And he has locked himself in such a room where he can't save his son, but he's trusting Cyborg or trusting Victor, I guess, from his perspective, to be able to save himself, yeah. to be able mm-hmm. to get out of that situation uh, because he's seen him be a hero. And so I, I think that's really interesting about whether or not you can save somebody versus trusting someone to save other people. And so I think that's mm. a really interesting because I've, I've really not thought about it from I've, I've thought about it from Victor's perspective of seeing his father die. But I've never reversed that to think about what Silas was seeing when he was locked, locked himself in that in that right. box, in that room. So that's a really cool thought. And we can also compare it even further to just Superman um history and just as a whole um with this father figure being you know silas stone doing this sacrificial act uh for the you know 
betterment of Cyborg and the Justice League to try to save the day, um, Cyborg couldn't do anything to stop or help his father in his moments of death, just like uh, Superman in the comic books with the heart attack. And it's like, well, there we go, you know? What's worse than a heart attack? I don't know. A, a giant laser getting like prismed a, a million times into you to to burn you into ash. Yeah, that's probably that's pretty metal, dude. Let's do that. Um, but yeah, very much mirroring the the um uh what uh, what do you what do you call it? the removal the tragedy tragedy the tra- yeah the tragedy. Oh, but uh, you're talking about like Superman um, doesn't have parent. a choice to save his father, and that's really the biggest topic when you get to the whole Paul Kent heart attack thing he has no there's no way for him to save him um Mm -hmm. it's just completely out of his hands it's you know natural causes or whatever you want to call it fate has intervened and and said like so it's 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 just that like trial that a hero has to go through um and in this one just how much cyborg mirrors just a superman and superman just as a whole in that whole story is really really incredible um i will not stop talking about how much cyborg is a superman <laughs> yeah yeah and and um the the cassette tape so as we um, skipping ahead and thinking of the future of the epilogue of father twice over yes um it will it will perfectly wrap up the relationship between Silas and, and, and Victor as, as we then hear what that recording was saying, but thinking about how that recording was recorded before his death, he left it on the counter. Cyborg has destroyed it at this moment later in the film. He'll rebuild it. But um, those words, he meant them now. Like he has said his piece now. And so um, he, Silas Stone has, has had his, his growth from from the death of his son to the rebirth of his son and and dealing with all that and and understanding his his um like his son's disdain for him like those words he has said his piece so he's he's already there yes. and Victor hasn't heard those words yet because he destroyed it but um it's thinking about as Silas Stone says goodbye here in this minute that he is like oh I've said my piece it's there like I've left you that message and those memories like you you have access to them um and so then like he will um yeah he has this this tragic end here and so that's it's um i i think it's okay to to kill off some of these characters like i know in certain dc continuity it's like oh you want silas stone to keep being around like you want victor and silas to like have this this growth and doom patrol has done that where they have maintained the two characters and they've gone through their entire arc together. And, and at the end of it, Dr. Silas Stone is still around, but it's okay in, in this context to, to say like, we can kill off this character because they are a generational figure where it's like, I came before you, I set the precedent. I then created you. I want you to be better than me. So then like my time has come, like I have to go, you have to be the next step and then and then and then continue on the generation from there. And so I think that's it's okay to like kill Dr. Silas Stone in this set of movies because it's like he's done everything he has as far as a character and, and good storytelling, that his death can have that kind of impact that says, 
I've done what I can. Here's your turn. Mm-hmm. Do what you will. What's the and... motivation at that point, I think? I see it more of a motivation. Yeah. Yeah, and I think you see that with uh, both Victor and Clark is that for for them, Jonathan and Silas are the examples of what a hero should be and what a hero should look like. They set, they set like you said, a, a precedent, an example for what does hero- heroism look like? And mm. so uh, at the end of this film, uh, Cyborg takes that example from his father and is like, whatever it takes, if, mm. you know, <laughs> if something happens to me, oh, well, you know, I'm going to do what I can to save the world. And with Clark in Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice, he sacrifices himself in order to save the world, much like Jonathan did. Um, so I think for these characters, the, the value of killing them off storytelling wise, I think, is to show them what it looks like to be a hero and what it takes to do that because that's no small thing to say I'm going to put my whole life on the line to help other people and so I think for these two characters who become you know big leaders in the Justice League Superman and Cyborg they have to have some sort of um uh grounding in what 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 would a hero do how is a hero supposed to be and I think I for me I want a Justice League member to be able to understand what heroism is and I think that example from their fathers especially to show them that I think is really uh I for me I really love that I think yeah that that could be I mean we, there's a whole tangent we can go on that I mean uh <laughs> that that would explain Superman sacrificing himself at the end of the second movie um, because he understands what that is and and what it means to sacrifice yourself for to protect everyone else, and he learned that from both his his parents, as um, you know, Jor El sacrificing right. himself to launch the this the ship, uh, Jonathan Kent as well, uh, even Batman, his his father clenching that fist to uh, stop Joe Chill. Actually, uh, Bruce's both parents, I think, kind of try to put up a fight with uh, with him in the alley. So I, yeah. I think that also mirrors, you know, uh, both of um, uh, Clark's Kryptonian and Earthly mothers as well. I think sort of uh, had an impact. You know, it was uh, Laura who uh, was the one who pushes that button to launch and you know, make the choice mm-hmm. to actually launch the ship. And you know, Martha tells General Zod to go to hell. You know, these yeah. these are character these are characters who really take strong stances. So I th- I think you could totally do that with all of these characters. Yeah. Uh, I don't know about so much about the Flash. Cause, well, uh, his well, father maybe, tells maybe, him maybe. to move on, right? Like yeah. his father's like like don't worry about me. Like Barry's I- a case study guy. Yeah. Right? Because yeah. Barry still does have a heroic sacrifice but it's it's kind of and it's really fun because barry's heroic sacrifice isn't talked about um and it isn't built up like how a normal hero would go it just it just happens it's like it's that and then after the fact it's like wait well where's barry it's like oh yeah now okay we're 10 pages away from what just happened and now you're going to want to ask where barry is yeah he's dead he's in the speed for like he's he's gone he did all of this because what was happening and then you know we have so many other deaths compiled onto it where it was just like uh what what, i guess a new flash is going to come in later like okay but Wally was yeah, and in his yeah. continuity as well. Um, we'll try, but um, I think well, there's... and even and even with Barry's father, you know, not sacrificing himself, but saying I'm going to go to prison 
I, yeah. even though I didn't do this, this is the right thing. We're following the law. This, this mm-hmm. is what I have to do. And then like uh, Diana's, you know, parents, well, I guess, you know, uh, Zeus is a whole other thing. Uh, but, <laughs> he's, but, uh, not, he's not really the best fatherly example, is he? <laughs> Zeus is someone who we would but, love to talk about, yeah. But I think with Wonder Woman, her her uh, sort of parental uh, teaching comes from her mother and from Antiope. And yeah, Antiope. Antiope would have yeah. some, yeah. someone who uh, sacrificed, well, you know, the Amazons are willing to Antiope. sacrifice. So, so I think it kind of goes through all The bullet heard round the island, it's, that was Antiope. That's right. that's the one I would love to explore more because I think what Patty Jenkins was saying is that like Queen Apollota hasn't had that um, full character arc yet, but Antiope was like Antiope was like, oh, like we have to go do like you're destined to go do this. Like I will sacrifice myself. Like Antiope in that first movie was the mother figure or the the parental figure that she needed that is similar to this. Like. And Queen Hippolyta has always been like closed in, like, no, we're going to stay isolated. We're not going to go out there. We're not going to do this. Like, if you leave this island, you can't come back. And then in in Zack Snyder's Justice League, she's like, maybe I should reach out to my daughter again. And then, but we still haven't seen her, um, you know, step foot off the island. Like, Queen Hippolyta still hasn't had the arc that she's been destined to have, which is like, there comes a time where you must be a hero as well and that's what happens when apocalypse comes to earth like you then have to um listen to your sister and 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 venture out and there you go and if we have a queen hippolyta sacrificial thing ergo you can move in and open the door to queen nubia baby yeah yeah (laughs) um and then there's even what um uh do you remember uh grant morrison's uh one woman earth one did you read the third one nathan which one? Wonder Woman, Earth One. Did I read the third one? No, the I Grant Morrison. Read the okay. First volume of of Grant Morrison's Wonder Woman. Earth I won't. One. I won't spoil it. But uh, okay, it 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 does a generational thing where it's like we have Queen of Palata, Wonder Woman, and then um, what's next after that? So uh, who? Donna Troy? No, 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 no. Oh, come on! Something. Really? They're read the book. That generation. <laughs> read, not throw it. <laughs> read the book. It's really good. Come on. It's really. It's oh my god! But it, it's. There's some really great um, how they do some of their villains in, in, in that series as well. It's, it's fantastic, it's Morrison, uh, especially it's... Dr. Um, Dr. Psycho and um, uh, Max O'Lord. Uh, really well done. Um, but yeah, it's the, the parental heroic, heroics. It's like uh, the way that they've designed them in these um, three movies. Um, and we didn't even start talking about like the villains because they have their own parental <laughs> g- predicaments that I think feed into this very well. Um, you know, Ares, General Zod, and of course Lex Luthor Jr. Like they all have like <laughs> their own therapy that they need. Um, but yeah, so we'll see the the sacrifice of of Silas Stone in this minute, and then of course. Right when Steppenwolf gets that mother box, um, he'll turn around, he'll see that, um, well, Victor is, is kind of thrown to the side, but Aquaman has shown up, and I believe, um, is it uh, Wonder Woman or, or, or Barry Allen that is, is there? Uh, Aquaman and Barry. Yeah, but all, all three of them are there. Okay. Well, I, th- I think at the end of this minute, we don't see Wonder Woman in the shot, maybe, but all three of them are eventually in it. It's definitely Aquaman, which is someone I want to talk about um, 
in in tomorrow's minute. So, um, well, hang unless, on. Are you, you're gonna are we wrapping it up? I have just a couple more things. Oh yeah, go for it. Um, one thing I really wanted to point out was just like visually, um, as Silas uh, flips the switch and and activates the uh, the super laser, um, and it goes to hit the mother box. This mother box has an AT field activated in front of it, doesn't it? Yeah, like, it, that thing. It's just straight out of Evangelion, um, which is just awesome. That's just like the idea of like, oh yeah, alien technology, cool shield. <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up because I, I noticed it and I said, oh, it's like it doesn't like that. It's, like yeah, it doesn't T field, baby. That's it's exactly like, oh no, please, is. I don't don't attack me. It has like kind of like a self defense um, yeah. thing come up. Um, the other thing is that. Um, the discharge that this mother box is doing the the disco ball like lasers that it's doing um is so freaking cool to me um because when we look at the mother boxes there's some shots where you do get to see a texture to it and it is compiled of many small cubes like the, it's cubes like the and rubik's cubes. cube effect it really <laughs> is and it has that rubik's cube effect so like it having like this disco ball effect of just mirrors and it just shooting out at all directions uh, i don't know it just makes so much sense to me that it's like oh yeah this is now like a super lens like it, it can be anything and i don't know it was just really cool um i don't necessarily know if uh silas knew that that was going to be the result however i do think that just him being in the containment room with the laser um just meant certain death kind of like you know obviously how um uh billy crudup's character in uh, watchman where he just got trapped and it was like ah nothing we can do and then you know you're a nervous system in a couple weeks so um i don't it was just really cool what was something else I wanted to point out? Um, not really anything big. Um, I do remember that uh, in the trailer for this movie, um, this scene was uh, in it for just a second, and it was kind of a little bit of a... I think it's probably more... So, I don't know if it's the same shot or not, but what I remember is Cyborg... Um, doing this reaching out for his dad but taking two steps forward and it was almost as if he was a skeletal body like trying really hard to just move forward i remember mm, that from the trailer that's later it's is this, that when he's crying oh my gosh that is later yeah, that is like yeah. in, but i think it's like tomorrow's minute or something like that isn't it yeah but and so that's really strange, like the way that we have perceived this movie in such a way. And it's one of the things I talked about earlier when we first started doing this minute by minute was that I have seen so much of this movie through Vero and through like the trailers. So when I finally got to see this movie, it was I couldn't enjoy it as much as like being like wild by everything versus like, oh, there's that shot i was looking for there's, there's that, that i was looking there's for that. there's that <laughs> yeah. thing i wanted to see like oh we finally get to see this scene like and there's there was many of those moments where i was just like oh there it is and that's nice and it's good to see the full thing in picture but um yeah it, it starts to all blend together where I, I you know sometimes i i try to look for all the missing pieces again 
Uh, it kind of blends together. Okay, well, I'm wrong. Let me uh, <laughs> let's talk about that again in a couple minutes. <laughs> yeah, um, we will. <laughs> nonetheless, but, yeah. this minute is excellent. Um, this whole moment right now is uh, really powerful. Um, it's probably my favorite cyborg moment uh, ever. Uh, just the whole movie, right? It's uh, <laughs> every every moment given to cyborg in this film. Um, works. It's it, just the it, best. It, it, it works, and then it's so strange that it was not in the other version of the film. And then it's like, well, you took out this amazing story. Yeah, there's like, uh, <laughs> I think yeah. there's almost there's almost a basis of like, you could have made a two hour movie of just cyborg. Yeah, well, that's with the, the Justice League in it. Like that's what I'm gonna say. Like where uh, anything else cyborg that's going to come out later on in life, in the future, or whatever. I think it's going to be pretty damn hard to top this. This performance, this this writing, this acting, this this character, this version of this character that was written to be this, you know, green on, in the gills kind of like this new version of a cyborg learning how to be a hero and everything. I don't know if mm-hmm. any other version of future versions of this is going to hit this hard, really. Yeah, uh, Ray's performance is really powerful here, and they do a good job of showcasing Cyborg. You know, he flies and crashes through a roof. I guess he was flying really fast that he could do that. Um, And then sort of by the end of the minute, he's knocked out. And he's, I I guess, in my mind, he's sort of like uh, his his software or something is sort of glitching inside himself or something, and he can't move. Dude got hard Um, rebooted. D-God. Yeah, yeah. So, So I like it in just this one minute. It starts with him really powerful, and in the end, he's he's weakened. He's he's kind of fallen to the floor, and and he can't function. And so I think this does a good job of showcasing you know all of those aspects of Cyborg that he is just a, a mechanical uh, thing at this point where he's uh, technology. You know he can he can do really cool things, but there he does have flaws that can be. Yeah. Um, uh, literally hit upon by the villain so i think there's so much here there's the emotion with him and his father and then there's all these uh showcasing uh moments for cyborg so yeah i think it's a all-around great minute for silas and victor Mm -hmm. what what if the the super laser you know because he's from this mother box and we've seen this Mm -hmm. mother box react to superman it's kryptonian right what if it being hit by this laser was just like your body can't do anything right now because oh, that's a good. The Wi-Fi router is being reset at this moment, <laughs> so it's like, so he his body cannot move. Um, yeah, that's a good thought. But yeah, um, well, cool. Let's go ahead and wrap up for today. If you've enjoyed today's show, please consider leaving a five star review. It really does help the show and helps new listeners discover our show as well. If you'd like to join the conversation, you can chat with us on Twitter at DCEU Minute. And if you'd like to hear more bonus content, we also have a Patreon for just $3 with tons of other podcasts to listen to. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you on the next one here on DC Cinematic Minute.